The media is cheering Joe Biden's fighting spirit after video emerged of the Democrat presidential candidate beating a voter to death with a tire iron and burying his body in a shallow grave. The incident occurred at a campaign stop in Michigan that Biden thought was in Mississippi. The voter approached Biden and asked him about his record on gun rights, whereupon Biden flew into a rage and would have shouted four-letter words at the man, but could only remember words of three letters or less. Apparently mistaking the voter for the villainous reptile Randy Boggs from the movie Monsters, Inc., which the former vice president very much enjoyed, Biden shouted, I'll never let you kidnap Boo, seized a tire iron and beat the man to death, then dragged his body outside while screaming at the sky for his mother to forgive him and bury the voter in a shallow grave. At CNN, anchorwoman Shapely Nudnik applauded the vice president's response, saying, quote, He's a fighter, all right. This is the kind of high-spirited battler Democrat voters are looking for in a candidate. Now we know this will be a president who won't be pushed around, but will respond to the slightest provocation with a nuclear attack while hallucinating he's Darth Vader destroying Alderaan. The current president is rude and uncivil, but Joe Biden is a good and decent man if you don't get too close to him or let him sneak up behind you and grab your shoulders and sniff your hair. Then he's just creepy and dangerous, unquote. Democrat leaders also praised Biden. Cory Booker endorsed the former vice president, saying, quote, I'm not going to kowtow to any Republican double standard. If Donald Trump can curse and call people names, then Joe Biden can deteriorate into a blithering homicidal maniac who doesn't know where he is or what he's doing, unquote. Biden responded to Cory Booker's praise by thanking Carrie Fisher for her support and saying she was wonderful in the movie Spartacus. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! I often quote the old political expression, you can't beat someone with no one. But it actually seems like the Democrats are going to try to do exactly that. Joe Biden has, to be fair to him, consolidated one of the more startling comebacks in recent political history. His campaign returned from death's door to win first South Carolina, then crush his main rival Bernie Sanders on Super Tuesday, and then yesterday score resounding victories in Michigan, Idaho, Mississippi, and Missouri. Now, I said Biden's campaign came back, but not Biden himself. His comeback is the result of a full court press by the Democrat machine, the loyalty of black voters, and the fact that the young voters who powered the Sanders campaign probably realized at the last minute they had no clue what they were talking about and stayed home smoking dope and watching porn where they belong. As for Biden himself, he's an empty man whose principles blow with the wind and whose cognitive abilities are clearly turning to dust as we watch. If he's the candidate, the Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, are going to have to cover for him. They're going to have to keep him out of ad lib and confrontational situations as much as possible and then just lie like crazy about all the rest. And you can bet that is exactly what they're going to do. So if Biden gets the nomination right now, it looks like he will. Trump is going to be running against an empty suit, a Democrat media machine and a coalition of voters who hate him which could be a powerful combination. It's also going to be a wonderful metaphor of our current situation because it'll be a battle between conservative truth and leftist narrative, between reality and appearance. Trump's personal flaws are real. 
but so are his undeniable political and policy triumphs. The economy is suffering from the Chinese flu, but still strong in large part because of his policies. The ISIS caliphate is gone. Again, his decision. We're getting out of Afghanistan. Again, because of him. Illegal immigration is down because of Trump. Almost 200 great judges have been appointed, and all of this while Democrat enclaves throughout the country are deteriorating, specifically because of leftist policies and practices. Joe Biden may win or lose, but he's never going to actually govern anything. He's no longer competent to do that. So he's just a front man now for the Democrats and their policies and their practices. If Biden wins the nomination, we'll be looking at a fight between a good president who sometimes looks bad and a behind-the-scenes leftist cabal represented by a Joe Biden hologram who isn't really there at all. Truth versus narrative, reality versus appearance. It's going to be a very interesting election. So let us talk for a moment about protecting your identity, which you've got to do, because if they steal your identity, it is as big a pain in the neck as possible to get it back. And during tax season, your name, your social security, lots of valuable info about yourself is emailed around a lot more than usual. Criminals can steal info from your devices and sell it on the dark web or use it to commit identity theft. You need LifeLock, the number one most recognized brand in identity theft protection. LifeLock monitors for uses of of your personal info, alerts you to possible suspicious activity, and if you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated identity restoration specialist will work to fix it. That's the important thing. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but having LifeLock means one less thing to stress about during tax season. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Just go to LifeLock.com slash Clavin. That's LifeLock.com slash Clavin for 25% off. Only those who are on the dark net know how to spell Clavin, but it's K-L-A. I was just about to say that amazingly. I know it's uh, startling. Um, you know, so Biden, fair enough, is talking like this is over. Let's play cut eight. This is his speech last night. I want to thank Bernie Sanders and his supporters for their tireless energy and their passion. We share a common goal, and together we'll defeat Donald Trump. We'll defeat him together. We're regenerating a Democratic base, the Democratic Party. The African-American community, high school educated folks like the ones I grew up with in Claymont, not far from here, in my old neighborhood, labor, suburban women, veterans, firefighters, union members, and so many more. Sleepy Joe Biden, who has no (laughs) clue what the hell he's doing. (laughs) That's the voice in Biden's head. Uh, He won Michigan, Missouri, Mississippi. Uh, He, um, I think that I think that uh, Sanders won North Dakota, has won North Dakota. I'm not sure if they've called Washington yet. It doesn't really look like he can uh, come back and he doesn't look like he can come into the convention a winner. And of course, the superdelegates are not going to support him at all. You know, he just made a mistake, Bernie. I think he made a mistake. The, and everybody who supported him made a mistake. They misread the last election. He looked a lot stronger than he really was in the last election for a lot of reasons. One, the Democrat, the DNC made sure that nobody except a crazy man would get in the race against Hillary Clinton. They basically said, they basically anointed Hillary Clinton the candidate. So nobody else got in. If there had been four or five other candidates, you know, taking votes away from each person and each person had been fighting for the nomination, Bernie would not have come across as strong as 
as he did. Also, I mean, you underestimate how much people hate Hillary. The left is baffled by this. They think it's the press. It's her unfair coverage. It's because she's a thief. She's a crook. She's a liar, a perennial. I mean, a really perennial sick liar about important things. She's corrupt. People don't like her. And she's, you know, a cackling, you know, uh, harridan. She's a horrible person. People don't like her. So that was the other thing. And it's, it's hard to know. It is hard to know whether they whether the Democrat voters are rejecting socialism or just saying that they want somebody they think can beat Trump or a little bit of both, because you usually say a person can beat somebody can win if you like him. So maybe they just like Biden more. Most people vote according to the way the image of the guy fits with their values. And Joe Biden kind of looks like an ordinary Joe. And uh, Bernie Sanders looks like an unindicted co-conspirator conspirator from the Rosenberg trial. You know, he looks like the guy from the 50s. So I, I think it's just a combination of a lot of things that Bernie got wrong. He was nowhere near as strong a candidate as people thought they were when he went up against someone as weak as Hillary Clinton. So let's take a look at what is going to happen um, about, with, with Biden, how they're going to protect Biden. But first, first, we must talk about Raycon. I love my Raycon headsets. I really do. They are just absolutely terrific. I use them all the time. They fit so much better than the ones that everybody else wears, and they don't make you look like an insect. They're attractive. They're easy to control. They have good tap control, so you can turn them off. You know, I get this in the park. Somebody comes up and talks to me when I'm hiking. I can turn off the audiobook I'm listening to. They're just, they're easy to use. And the sound, you know, the way they're built blocks out more sound. They kind of have more of a coverage of your ears. So it just blocks out a lot of sound. You just get a clearer, uh, a clearer sound with them. They just released their best model yet, the E25s. They have six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. Oh, plus, you know, they have different uh, heads on them, different buds, so you can fit them to your particular ear, which is particularly important for me. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Clavin. That's B-U-Y raycon.com slash Clavin for 15% off these excellent Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Clavin. Put them on and just speak into them. Say, how do you spell Clavin? And you'll hear this. There, there are no easy <laughs> just that automatically comes over your, your Raycon headsets. All right. So how are they going to play this thing? Now they have got this guy who is de he's deteriorating in front of us. Now, yesterday I played a little bit of this video where he confronted this uh, hard hat worker in Michigan and he he lost his temper. And I'm not going to play it now because it's hard to hear. OK, it's hard. It's hard to hear the video because it's shouting and all this stuff. But the guy comes up to him and asks him whether he's going to destroy the Second Amendment and take away people's guns. And, and he's he's direct, but he's not ugly about it. Biden goes nuts. OK, he loses his temper. He he says you're full of S. Right. He say he curses at the guy. His female aide tries to pull him away and he goes, shush. Shush. The thing escalates. He tells the guy he's going to slap him in the face. He tells him he's going to um, he's going to take him outside, which would be hilarious. I mean, the guy would have like pounded him into the earth. Of course, he's not going to do that. He's just a just talk. He's probably doesn't even know where he is at this point. He goes through this whole thing. He he says to a guy. One guy says to him, "You work for me." And he said, I don't work for you. Don't be a horse's ass. So that's that's what he says. And, you know, it was it was really a startling moment. Now, a lot of people obviously are going to make the equivalence with Trump. Trump can be curse. Trump can be belligerent. Trump can say things uh, to people. But the difference is Trump is still exactly who Trump is. 
Trump was always this guy. Like him, love him. That's who he is. Biden is deteriorating. This is my entire point. I mean, aside from the fact that he was also lying. Hey, let's, the guy actually gave an interview. The worker actually gave an interview on Fox. Uh, let's hear what he says. I actually myself haven't heard this yet. I thought I was pretty articulate and respectful. I, I didn't try, uh, try to raise any, any feathers. And uh, he kind of just went off the deep end. Uh, I saw that he was digging a hole. And I just kind of let him talk for a while to dig the hole. Once, once he started to, uh, once he got caught in a lie, I kind of wanted to ask him why he wanted to take our, our long arms rather than the, the handguns. To, to me, that's very uh, skeptical. If you care about the human life, wouldn't you want to go after the tool that's used the most? Why would you go, out, go after long guns? It seems to me that there's an underlying story there. So this obviously, I love Americans. They're all great. He's obviously a very articulate, intelligent guy. I thought he sounded respectful, forceful, but respectful. Biden, you know, he lost it. I mean, when they when they use that term, he lost it. And it's not the way he has behaved throughout time. It really isn't. Plus, he was talking nonsense. He was talking about 100 rounds and an AR-14, a gun that I Maybe it's a that's an AR-15 before its birthday. I don't know. Come on, but, you know, <laughs> come on, man. He's talking about this, and and on top of this, he was lying. He was. I said, I don't want to take your guns away. Here's cut 14 of what he said in the past. To gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right. If you have an assault weapon, the fact of the matter is they should be illegal. Period. Look, the Second Amendment doesn't say you can't restrict the kinds of weapons people can own. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> he is a lying dog-faced pony soldier. The Second Amendment says your rights shall not be abridged, shall not be ab- infringed or abridged, which which is it? I, I, now I've, I've had a Joe Biden moment. I'll, I'll look it up myself. But the point is, it says you can't take away your right to own, to bear arms. The whole point of bearing arms was that the state's could organize militia to fight the federal government if the federal government became oppressive. That was the point. It was so the states could form militias to fight the federal government. It's not to hunt. It's not to protect your home. All of those things are important. All of those things are worthwhile. But it was to protect yourself from government oppression. And anyone who thinks that uh, people can't fight an army as big as the American army aren't paying attention to the way insurgents fight in Afghanistan and uh, in uh, Vietnam, places like that. So they, what are they going to do with this guy? What are they going to do with this guy? Well, you get a little taste of it on CNN. First of all, everybody played it. They, the networks did play it. They kind of edited out some of it. But, but I thought they did an actual fair job. Uh, they, they played the video. They did report on it. Here's CNN discussing that, <laughs> remember, Told the female to shush, shush. Actually, I didn't mind that so much. She works for him, so that was that was okay. You can tell your employee to, to be quiet. I tell them, I tell the guys who work with me to shut up all the time. I mean, that's that's what I'm here for. Uh, but but that didn't bother me so much. But he curses at the guy, threatens the guy, offers to fight the guy, calls the guy names. Those are all the things he did. Here's CNN, uh, the panel discussing it. Joe Biden defending his position on gun control, saying the gentleman on the floor was exaggerating it, that he's not coming to take away their guns. Uh, but he uh, he's called the man, uh, he said he's full of, and then he called him a horses. 
it's noon or it's nine o'clock out in California. I'm not going to fill in the blanks there. Uh, you know, again, some people see that as charming, a candidate who's willing to air it out face to face with a guy on the floor. Some people say, whoa, you could choose different words, couldn't you? Yeah, Biden has had a few of these interactions with voters over the course of the primary campaign where he's sort of used some language that is, um, you know, a little bit questionable. Um, but I think for his campaign, it's, they've pushed it out and said that this shows Biden's authenticity, the mo no malarkey part of the, the Biden um, approach to politics. Though I don't it, think that hurts Joe Biden. No, I, I mean, his campaign isn't tweeting it out, basically. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, right. that, that shows him pushing back they on like an the, issue that, like that is a signature issue. Probably not a Biden, Biden voter anyway, there. Yeah. Right, yeah. seriously. Yeah, that, guy, that guy did not <laughs> appear to be a Sanders one either. Did, yeah. not, did not appear to be a Sanders or a Biden. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is the that's the, that's uh, the guy from The New York Times, you know, the guy who asked uh, asked Obama what enchanted him about the presidency. They're just minimizing it. But look, how much can you hide it? How much can you hide? It? By the way, the Second Amendment says the right should not be infringed. You can't even come into the fringes of your right to bear arms. So Joe Biden is a lying dog faced pony soldier. So, so Jim Clyburn who was the guy who saved Biden's backside in South Carolina. He's the House whip. Uh, he is the third most powerful uh, Democrat in the House and a, very, a really clever, smart politician. I mean, he is a guy who really knows the territory. He's basically saying, we have got to get this guy off TV before he hurts himself. We've got to stop the primaries right now. Here's the first uh, Clyburn cut. I think when the night is over, uh, Joe Biden will be uh, the uh, prohibitive favorite uh, to win the Democratic nomination. And quite frankly, uh, if the night ends the way it has begun, then I think it is time for us to shut this primary down. It's time for us to cancel the rest of these debates uh, uh, because you don't do anything but get yourself in trouble uh, if you continue uh, this contest. Uh, when it's obvious uh, that um, the numbers uh, will not shake out for you. <laughs> so he's saying you can only get yourself in trouble. He doesn't want the guy talking. He doesn't want him on TV. He goes back. You know, he talks, like I said, he's a very smart uh, politician. And he goes back to uh, Dukakis, Mike uh, Dukakis and the Willie Horton ad which they always said, oh, it was this ad that was concocted by the Republicans. But he points out it actually came out. The Willie Horton issue actually came up in a Democrat primary debate, I think with uh, Al Gore, possibly. But it, it came out in a Democrat primary debate, and then the Republicans used it against him. So he's saying basically that anybody can get himself in trouble. But we all know that he, nobody wants to see Joe Biden on television anymore. James Carville, who was celebrating last night, who was thrilled as he could possibly be, he said basically the same thing. We got to acknowledge that he created a movement. He, he did some, some, some truly remarkable things in American politics. And, and certainly Vice President Biden, we've got to talk to him and, and discuss this. But we also, we can't, we can't diss these Democratic voters who are just coming out in, in every corner of this country saying, let's get on with this thing. Now, our mission as a party is to defeat Donald Trump. According to 538, there's a 99 to 1 chance that, that Vice President Biden is going to be the nominee. Let's shut this puppy down and let's move on and worry about November. This thing is decided. There's no reason to keep it going, but not even a day longer. 
<laughs> he's, he's in a hurry. He's in a hurry to get out of there. Of course, he forgot that that uh, 538 also predicted 99 to 1 chance that Hillary Clinton would be president. But still, it you know, it, it does look bad. And it's a, it, it is a point at, at some point uh, if if Bernie Sanders is sincere about stopping Donald Trump, he's got to see how many of his Bernie bros he can get to come over because this is a real blow for them. They, you know, the, they didn't turn out, the young people didn't turn out to vote, so they clearly weren't as committed as they pretended to be. But those people who did turn out to vote, and there were some, there were actually Bernie bros. It was young men who turned out to vote for him. Uh, and, and so they're, they're going to be, you know, alienated from the Democrat Party now. They're not going to be in a big hurry to turn up for somebody as bland and as deteriorating as Joe Biden without those votes, without the left enthused, the Democrats are going to have a much, much harder time. But they do have this determined coalition and Trump better watch them coming because they will be strong. All right. Let us talk about important things like stamps. You know, I love the post office. I've lived in the post office most of my life because I'm a writer. I send things out. I'm in L.A. I don't want to drive to the post office. The post office is five minutes away in L.A. That's a two hour drive, right? You don't want to do that. You want your post office where you have everything else right in your computer. And that's why you have stamps.com. Stamps.com is completely online. You don't have to make special trips to the post office. And with stamps.com, you save five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off shipping rates. And that can really add up. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. Stamps.com not only saves you time, it saves you money too. With Stamps.com, you get discounted postage rates that you you can't even get at the post office. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in, you guessed it, Clavin. That's Stamps.com. Enter Clavin. Mail me today, and I will tell you how to spell Clavin. <laughs> there are no E's in Clavin. I just I make it look this there easy. There are no E's in Clavin. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about the coronavirus, which continues to spread. I was in I have to tell you, I was in Des Moines Airport yesterday flying before I flew to Knoxville. And so help me. There's a woman sitting there far enough away from me. So I, I, I moved after I saw her. But she's hacking with a deep cough and she's sneezing. And <laughs> I just thought, like, you know, I don't want you to panic. Well, actually, you should panic. <laughs> you might be the person who panics. You know, it's like, are you not watching any TV, not getting any news? It was it was it's amazing. It is amazing. I mean, I've, I've seen it a couple of times There's people who are like completely out of control. And look, people are still um, still shaking hands and doing all those things. But it, it's a ser- it's a serious business It is spreading very quickly. We don't know what the death rate is yet, but it obviously it seems it seems hard to tell. It seems it seems that it could be worse than flu. I think it's it's just hard to tell. Now in New Rochelle, they've got a one mile containment zone. This is in Westchester County in New York, a very big city in a big, uh, important county in New York. 
they've got the, it's not a quarantine. It's just that they're telling people, they're asking people to try and stay in the area, but they've got the National Guard up there. So it's serious stuff. And uh, Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, who is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and who has been excellent, I think. He has been direct. He's been strong. He has not let, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, Trump loves to be very optimistic and upbeat and he wants to keep the economy going, which I understand. But Fauci has not been uh, cowed by that. And he has said what he has to say. And he, he yesterday he sounded genuinely uh, like he was getting worried. It was cut one. These are really simple. Keeping the workplace safe, keeping the home safe, keeping the schools safe and keeping commercial establishments safe. This should be universal for the country. Everyone should be doing that, whether you live in a zone that has community spread or not. When you have community spread, you're obviously going to ratchet up the kinds of mitigations that you have. But at a minimum, this is the minimum that we should be doing. So everybody should say, all hands on deck, this is what we need to do. And, and he says it's going to get worse. I mean, I've been telling you that. Obviously, that's what viruses do. They get worse. But fortunately, fortunately, we do have Alexandria Occasional Cortex dealing with the important thing, because the important thing on the left is what we call this flu, because they think the Wuhan flu, even though there's a German measles and a Spanish flu and a, a Lyme disease and Ebola, all these things are named after their places. They feel that the Wuhan flu is, you know, is prejudice against Chinese people. So I've been, you know, I've been thinking of maybe yellow fever, yellow peril, maybe the flu Manchu, uh, maybe the, uh, <laughs> the Kung flu. Uh, but this is really disturbing, Alexandria. Honestly, it sounds almost so silly to say, but there's a lot of restaurants that are feeling the pain of racism, uh, where people are literally not patroning Chinese restaurants. Um, they're not patroning Asian restaurants because of just straight up racism around the coronavirus. Everything is racist. <laughs> Everything is racist according to me. <laughs> That's the AOC theme, theme song. Um, what is that from No Safe Spaces? Is that? It's uh, <laughs> really funny. Uh, anyway, you remember yesterday I told you that since we act, this actually is a crisis, it's an actual event, it's going to have economic ramifications, people will die, this is a real thing. See, I'm telling you, it's Trump's first crisis that wasn't invented by the Democrats. So uh, I told you yesterday that you were going to hear, oh, look, everyone is socialist. Now you see why we have to have health care because of, of this limited contained circumstance, which governments are good for. This is what governments are good for. Limited contained crises that can be solved by direct action and require more authority than most of the rest of our lives. I told you it was going to happen. I opened up the New York Times this morning. There is Farhad Manju, one of the big socialists over there. Everyone's a socialist in a pandemic, he says. Companies and lawmakers are suddenly realizing the value, <laughs> it's like the value of a strong social safety net. Let's hope they don't forget when the crisis passes. Let's hope they do. I mean, <laughs> you know, all you have to do, you don't even have, you don't have to read the New York Times because I tell you what's going to be in it the day before it comes out. He says, wasn't it almost funny how everyone and their doctor was suddenly extolling the benefits of government-funded health care for all. Again, this is what governments are good for. Just like when you have a toothache, you go to the dentist, but you don't live at the dentist and you don't let the dentist tell you how to live your life. This is not a moment to, to let the government grow. It is a moment to actually make sure the government doesn't grow, but does what it's supposed to do. The politics continues. Obviously, Chuck Schumer, here's Schumer going after Trump. 
cut to, I think. We are very worried about the president's incompetence and lack of focus on fighting the spread of coronavirus. We believe that his lack of focus, his hamstringing efforts to address this public crisis and inflicting pain on the stock market. One word could describe thus far the administration's response, incompetence. The best way we would tell the president the best way to ensure economic security right now for the American people is to focus on fighting the illness and the spread of the illness. Ask any CEO today what they want most. I'll bet they tell you they want the coronavirus to be contained. And you, you know what doesn't help the spread? Doesn't, sorry. You know what doesn't help stop the spread of the coronavirus? More corporate tax cuts. It was all bullshit. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just nonsense. It really is nonsense. In fact, you know, Mike Pence uh, gave a press conference with Trump and pointed out that Trump had used his influence with insurers to get a deal for people who need the test. Mr. President, uh, you directed us to bring together um, insurance companies, health insurance companies that cover... Uh, through private insurance and through their support of Medicare and Medicaid, uh, almost 240 million Americans. And I'm pleased to report, uh, as you requested, Mr. President, that all the insurance companies here, either today or before today, have agreed to waive all co-pays on coronavirus testing uh, and extend coverage for coronavirus treatment uh, in all of their benefit plans. You know, I, I, I joked about Pence when he got this job. I thought, like, it, it's like they were throwing him to the wolves. But I think he's coming across really well. I think he's doing a good job. He's keeping the boss happy by making speeches like that one. But it does remind you that Trump has pull with the business community and doesn't have to pass a law to get them to do things, which is important because it means that he's not claiming, he's not claiming, as, as guys in California and New York are, that they have a right to tell businesses how to run their business, that they have a right to declare what has to be covered, which I just think is absolutely absurd. You can't run a business that way. It's, it's just, it's always the wrong way to go. Listen, some of this stuff, you know, Jason Riley has a good column in the Wall Street Journal uh, today saying making political hay out of health scares is a commonplace activity that's also unfailingly bipartisan. Democrats complain that President George W. Bush was too slow in responding to the West Nile virus and SARS outbreaks that occurred in his first terms. Uh, Republicans returned the favor in the run-up to the 2014 midterm elections when President Obama was trying to keep West Africa's Ebola epidemic from crossing the Atlantic. Uh, Mr. Obama tapped Ron Klain, a former vice presidential aide, to coordinate the response, and Republicans reacted by calling Mr. Klain a political hack with no medical background, which this is what politicians do. You know, they, they use our fears uh, against us. But we have to stay level. We have to know what's going on. you got to do the things that the actual experts tell you to do. I, you know, I, I feel that there is a lot of panic being spread, especially by the press. But again, it's going to work out the way it works out. We do not know. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Do what they tell you to do. We got the mailbag coming right up. But for, <laughs> soon, any moment now, you will be sounding exactly like that. You will be so happy that all your problems have been taken. It's, like it's just like a weight lifted off your shoulders. But meanwhile, don't forget there's only one week left to get 25% off all Daily Wire membership plans using co coupon code NEVER25. 
socialist. And now with Bernie going down, even Democrats can get the never socialist uh, coupon code. So <laughs> Daily Wire members get an ad free website experience, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, my show, the full three hours of Ben's show, access to the mailbag. Very important. You got to get me in that mailbag if you want your problems solved. And now exclusive election insight op-eds from Ben. Daily Wire members also get to ask us questions live like you saw in our Super Tuesday coverage on Backstage. And along with all of this, you get the Tumblr. But we don't even have to call it the Leftist Tears Tumblr anymore. We just call it the Tumblr because it's only, there's only one. There's nothing else like it. Again, that's 25% off on Daily Wire memberships for all plans using coupon code NEVERSOCIALIST. Ooh, and download the app, too. I really like the app, and you can use that, too, if you're a member. This is the last week we'll be giving you this offer, so act now before you regret it. we got the mailbag coming up. Come over to dailywire.com and subscribe. All right, mailbag. Ah! <laughs> that's for the that's for the uh, Chinese flu version of the mailbag. We just <laughs> we're in pain. Uh, from Alex, I'm a 30 year old Army vet, and I fought in Afghanistan in 2012 against the Taliban, where we lost three guys in my platoon. Well, first, let me stop, say thank you for what you did, and I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry for your loss. I've often struggled, he says, with the question. You brought up on Monday about the justification for the lives lost. Do they need to die? Did we need to be there? I'm very proud of my service and I enlisted to defend this nation that I love, but I can't see that we've really accomplished anything. Yes, we helped some people, but I can't help but think that we went in with this theory of spreading peace through democracy that isn't organic to the people that we're trying to help. State building has to be an organic process and can't be foisted on others unless they themselves decide it's the path they wish to seek. After all, our great republic wasn't created as a whim of some superpower. We had to figure it out on our own. Here's here's what I think, okay? I think we went over originally with a, a doable mission. It was the mission of bringing justice against the country that helped Osama bin Laden stage the 9-11 attacks. That mission has been accomplished. A generation of terrorist leaders was wiped off the face of the map, and now any nation that attacks us knows that the people who did the attack, who planned the attack, are going to be punished by guys like you. And that is an important message to send, and that can never be changed. So that was a successful mission. After that, I think the missions spread and missions do spread. And one of the reasons missions spread is our military is so good at what they do that they don't want to leave any problem unsolved. And the mission spread to basically reinventing Afghanistan as a free country. I don't believe that was ever possible because I don't believe there is an Afghanistan. I believe there's Kabul and then a bunch of savage territories filled with tribes who have been feuding for hundreds and hundreds of years. That mission could never be accomplished. So that part of the mission, you're right, it was not going to happen. But, you know, you mentioned yourself that you helped some people. I saw when in the brief time I was there, some people who had been helped, whose lives had been better, been better. And each one of those lives is an eternal spirit. You know, each one of those lives matters infinitely. So every person you help matters as well. You never really know with any war what the uh, result is going to be. In Vietnam, always, people always said it was a mistake. And maybe it was a mistake. But after Vietnam, the Chinese stopped their imperialist uh, actions because they figured if we were crazy enough to fight them in Vietnam, we'd be crazy enough to fight them anywhere. And so they really dialed back what they were doing. So in some ways, that mission too was accomplished. But you certainly, they, we certainly accomplished the first mess, uh, the first mission of bringing justice for 9-11. I think that was done and well done. And I think that 
even if you can't, uh, as you say, you can't build a, a new nation, you can make lives better. And each one of those lives matters infinitely. So I don't think it was a worthless enterprise. Um, from Parker, dear Lord Clavin, master of the multiverse, my name is Parker, and I absolutely love how you and everyone at The Daily Wire express how women should take charge of their unique feminine abilities like motherhood. I love that there are people out there telling women that only they can be mothers. However, since only women can be mothers, obviously only men can be fathers, while for many women, showing that kind of nurturing love and care can be second nature. How do men cultivate a fatherly version of that nurturing in themselves? Came for Ben, state for Knowles, renewed subscription for the ultimate Claveny wisdom. Uh, you know, there are many things. Obviously, you can read all kinds of books about raising uh, children and that will teach you some skills. But the, the, the real thing is, is you bring uh, an important presence uh, in simply in your maleness. Maleness is a more abstract thing for the simple reason that women have babies, that their whole bodies are built to have and feed babies. Being a man is a more abstract thing. You have to see it to know what it is. You can't explain what it is to be a man. If somebody is telling you what it is to be a man, he's probably not getting it quite right, you know? You have to demonstrate it. So just being there is important. So be there, stay there, and treat the people around as you think they should be treated. If you are screaming at your wife or abusing your wife or bullying your wife, you're not doing a good thing for your kids. If you are leaving your wife, you're not doing a good thing for your kids. If you're not tending to your marriage and making sure that you're demonstrating how a man treats a woman, you know, the, the elevated way that I think we should treat the women in our lives, I think that you're, that's when you are also, uh, you're also letting your kids down. In terms of dealing with your kids, you know, it's kind of a cliche to say that men bring stronger discipline and a tougher view of life to their kids. I think that is definitely true. Uh, they do it instinctively. But don't feel that you have to break your kid. The whole purpose of a child is the child, right? The whole purpose of the child is not to send your vision of life, your traditions, your ideas into the future. It's to send that child into the world as the person God made him or her to be. And so you, what you are really doing is you're really clearing a path for a child to grow in. And some of the things they grow into are going to startle you and shock you and maybe even make you sad uh, because they don't want to continue some of your traditions or some of your ideas. But that's, that's your job. Your job is to clear the path for that child from uh, birth into the future and then let go. And uh, if, you can, if you can master that, everything else will take care of itself. Uh, all right. Uh, from Nathan, uh, I am 24 years old, have been married for three years, have a son that just turned one. I'm working a job that pays a good salary, gives me a good time off, has great benefits. I don't like my job. I've always been interested in going to seminary and pursuing a career in the ministry. To change career paths now would be harder on my family, and careers in the ministry don't pay very well. My question is, is changing career paths now something to still consider at this point? Being there and providing for my family are more important to me than any job I could hold. Should I look for work elsewhere if I am miserable in my current job, but it provides me great opportunity to be with my family? Thank you. Love the show. And I'm really enjoying Nightmare Feast, as you all should be enjoying Nightmare Feast. You know, I think you should do it. I think you should live your dreams, live out who you are. But I think you should do it with due respect for the needs of your family. You know, you Again, study part-time. You can keep your job while you study. You work a little harder. You do a little more. 
you uh, maybe gauge whether you can be a minister for part uh, full time or part time. Maybe you know you in, you certainly enlist. Uh, your wife to for her support and enlist your family in what you're doing. Let them know. Well, obviously your child is too young, but let them your your wife know why you're doing what you're doing. Maybe you change locations so you're living in a less expensive uh, place. But but yeah, I think if you feel this call and you hate your job, um, you know. Listen, I've done things to support my family that I didn't really like, but I wouldn't like have sacrificed my entire life for my family unless I had to, right? That's not something you do for fun. That's something you do because you must. If you don't must, if you don't have to, uh, then move on and and live your dreams and find a way to build that dream in such a way that it's going to be as little disruptive to your family as humanly possible. Um, From Dalton, dear Clavin, supper of leftist tears and crusher of ease. If Job is not a literally true story, then how is it true? Well, first of all, my my feeling about Job is that it is based on a true story, but it is a legend that grew up around that story. But of course, it is filled with truth. There's all, you know, it's like asking me how Hamlet could be true. Uh, Hamlet isn't a true story at all, but it has deep, deep truths about the human condition. And Job has deep, deep truths about our relationship with God. It talks about the fact that people, that bad things happen to good people, that things happen to people that have no particular reason, that you're not always being punished when something bad happens to you. That's a very revolutionary thought, you know, that it's not God crushing you because you were bad. It may just be uh, things that happen. Uh, it is filled with arguments and philo- uh, you know, and philosophical discussions that have been going on for thousands of years ever since. It is filled with deep insight into the human condition. That's how it's true. Uh, it, it seems to me as a lifelong reader and studier of stories, it seems to me clear that it's not a literally word-for-word true story. And I don't think, I think a lot of the Bible is written in different genres. Uh, There's myth, there's legend, there's parable. Nobody asks how, you don't, you don't ask how Jesus's parables are true if they're not literally true, right? When he says, when he says there was a man who had two sons, you don't say, where do the two sons live? What are their names? You understand he's telling a story and that the story contains important truths. And that's why He's telling it to you, and that's the way that you know that Job may work as well. Um, from Jacob, dear supreme leader of the multiverse, my wife is five months pregnant with our first child, a girl. My question is about naming her. Names in the Bible have meaning, and God himself gives several people new names. It seems like it's worth serious consideration. You've named children and many characters. How is that different? I assume it is. What advice would you give a first-time dad on naming my daughter? The most important thing to me about naming a child is that the child likes its name, that it sounds good, that it doesn't have a funny nickname, that it doesn't sound silly or make them uh, give the other kids a way of bullying uh, the child. It doesn't rhyme or have a, make, their, make his or her initials spell out a curse word, things like that. You know, make sure that the kid has a cool name that the kid is going to like. And yes, I also think it's important uh, what the meaning of the name is. And you can look for things that matter to you that you want the child to represent. But think of the child first because the child's going to have that name probably for life and you want him or her uh, to love it. And so... um, you, it's a, your daughter's, a, your child is a girl, so you want her to love it. But I think that that's the thing. Think of the child first and then consider the meanings and all the rest. Much different than naming a character because a character is not real. Uh, all right. From, um, to Mr. Clay, from Beth to Mr. Clavin without an E, I really enjoy your show and catchy tunes. Thank you. It's amazing how a few years in adulthood and some actual logical thinking can switch your views from one side to the other. I'm 27 years old and a mother. My husband's in the Air Force, so we aren't rooted in one area. Um, 
when discussing our current abortion and infanticide issues, I can't ignore my internal conviction to actually do something. I put it to the side before, but it just keeps coming back stronger. I'll never lose hope that one day women supporting the issue will wake up and say, what the heck am I doing? Uh, What's the best place to start to dig our hands into the mud and get something done to find our path and taking action on something we feel that conviction for? Well, I mean, I think the best thing to do is to find the organizations that do this uh, live action and uh, the Vitae, uh, V-I-T-A-E Foundation. I gave a speech there. Uh, these are places that really are thoughtful uh, and about abortion and not just about saying no, 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 but saying, but thinking about ways in which women who have what they now call crisis pregnancies, women who are pregnant and don't want to be pregnant, what they can do uh, to get through the situation and take care of that child as best they can or someone else can. Uh, There's all kinds of places. They all need help. They all need people to work. And so that is a great place uh, to begin. Uh, from Wes, I just moved to a state that holds its primary in May. Should I register to vote as a Democrat so I can vote for Bernie in the primary since he will presumably have a harder time beating Trump than Biden? Uh, I wouldn't do that. I like to play things straight. I just like my vote to be my vote. And doesn't I don't think Bernie is going to be there anymore by the time. Uh, all right. One more. Um, from uh, Sean, now that Elizabeth Warren's heart is buried at Wounded Cankler, the historically diverse 2020 field is wounded cankle. The, the historically diverse 2020 field of two dozen Democrats is winnowed to two elderly white men. How is that possible? Everything we're told and see that Democrats despise whiteness and maleness, and yet their nominee is going to be either Biden or Sanders. How do you square these actual real world vote results with Democrats' public anti-white male diversity obsession? Well, of course, it's only the a very few activists who believe this. They happen to work in the press. They happen to have loud voices. They happen to be able to talk ev- over everybody, and everybody's afraid to confront them because they're afraid of sounding racist and losing their jobs. But most people feel they want the best candidate. As I said at the beginning of the show, they want the candidate whose image reflects their values. What the left has been trying to tell us is that we are obligated to vote for a woman. So therefore, if we don't like Hillary, it must be because we're sexist. If we think Obama's an incompetent buffoon, it must be because he's black. They can't accept the fact that we're saying, no, the guy's an incompetent. No, you know, Hillary Clinton's corrupt. It has to be because of this identity politics. It's an argument of uh, force. It's an argument trying to force you to do what they want you to do. And most Americans are still strong enough not to fall for it. And that's why they voted for the candidates who moved them. I mean, they wanted somebody, they want to be Trump. That's that was what their first thought was, I think. So they ultimately went with the guy who was the establishment guy and who looks like the guy. Joe Biden looks like the guy who waves to you from his driveway and then drives off to pretend he still has the job he got fired from three weeks ago. So he looks like a sort of ordinary sad sack loser. But that's the image that they want. None of the other guys fit the bill. Uh, You know, none of the other guys had the magnetism or uh, charisma or whatever it is to knock him out. And so that's that's the way things work. And then after it's over, the press and the left, but I repeat myself, complain that there was, it was sexism and racism, hoping that that will get into people's heads and they'll second guess themselves and choose the candidate that the left wants instead of the candidate that they want. That is the way it works. And that's the way it worked today. We'll be talking about uh, Bernie tomorrow. Uh, interesting that he didn't leave. He's a, he's a committed man. He's a man who's never done anything for anybody, but for the cause and, uh, and God bless him. He's going to still be in there pitching. We'll find out what he said tomorrow. I'll be here. I hope you will be here. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, 
Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jessua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm -hmm.